Uh, <laughs> that's my year. That's disgusting. That is absolutely repulsive. I am drinking. Uh, it's not repulsive. It's the king of beers. You're a sick human being, and you should be beaten. <laughs> that was a deep cut there. Oh man! But this is a uh, Budweiser, and it's in a. Let me. Let me. Uh... It's a. That's a forty. Is it a full forty? It looks like a forty. I haven't seen a forty in a long time, but I haven't either. And when I bought it, I started laughing. I go, "I've never bought one of these." And he goes, "Budweiser," and I go, "No, in this ginormous can." And I go, "My buddy's a beer snob, so he'll love the fact that I'm drinking this swill." I am repulsed by you. How are you, buddy? I'm doing really well. I yeah. have no sleep. I'm going on Uh-oh. no sleep. I, uh, I I got to the hotel in Omaha at one about one ten a.m. Uh, and then woke up at five to get a shower and to make my flight at seven. So, ooh, buddy. I was in rural Nebraska in uh, doing a parish mission with my buddy, the Mikey Needleman Band. Mikey Needleman's a guy, and he offered to help uh, write our um, uh, write a theme song for Catching Foxes. So hmm. I, w- I would love it if he could do that. But um, he's, uh, he's awesome because he's a Catholic recording artist. But at the same time, most of his gigs are like, well, he does tons of gigs um, for churches and parish missions. And he mm-hmm. travels all over the country. But my favorite thing that he does is he also plays in bars. And uh, they play a ton of, um, you know, just normal secular music that you would drink to. And so it's so great because. Otherwise uh, known as music. Otherwise known as music. Yeah, that's weird. I said that weird. He plays normal <laughs> music, pop music, everything. He has this hilarious like metal version of um, Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that song. <laughs> Bubba in my head like, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> He's so funny. But So I did a parish mission for three rural parishes. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, it went really well. Good. You know what? I One of the things that I do now, Luke... I do altar calls at my parish missions. I was going to say Molly, but go on. I do I do altar calls. You and altar calls. I do altar calls, and then I pray over people now. I just started doing that. I said, and if you accepted Jesus Christ, if you stood up and made a permanent or a, a lifelong <laughs> commitment to Jesus Christ, I want you to come up, and I'm going to pray over you. And nice. I want, like, the Holy Spirit to, like, whoosh. But really, people just look at me and smile and say, thank you. And they're like, I'm levitating. Ah. What do I do now? I, I don't know. This has never happened before. <laughs> well, first you bow, you bow at my feet. What? What? I didn't say anything. What? <laughs> but yeah. So it was a parish mission of about eighty people, sixty people, something like that. And about sixty percent, seventy percent stood up. I did on two different nights. Prayed over them. And man, their faces are burned. There's this one woman named Madonna. Isn't that awesome? She's like, everyone calls me Donna. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm calling you Madonna. That's an awesome name. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a joke that can go along with that, but I'm tired. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You, you probably have been traveling all over the country and then landed, had to get in your car and drive straight to work too, just like me. And hey. then take your daughter to gymnastics. Continue. Hey, 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 hey. This used to be my playground. <laughs> this used to be my childhood dream. Mm-hmm. I loved that song back when I was a kid. Oh man, Lincoln Park. They were <laughs> just the right amount of depressing. <laughs> Wait, you are thinking of a different song. I was quoting a Madonna song. 
Oh, I was thinking of the Linkin Park song you just shared on our You're, Facebook no, page. No, the I think matter, I the Linkin song. So sorry, the oh Linkin Park song that you are thinking of is the, is the one that's like. Uh, oh gosh, how does it go? It was one that we used to listen to. I was just uh, singing. No, it's not that. That's that's a different one. What was the line you said? You, uh, this used to be my playground. This used to be my childhood dream. It's yeah, my slums. December. My December. No, okay, that's okay. Yes, that song is not my December. The I the I try so hard. Those are two different songs. Listen, I yeah, I know, no, I know that, I know that. Oh, okay, that's what that's what I thought you, you were saying. I hate the fact that I know this. I'm not a fan of them for the most part. I am. I love. I loved that album, and I love their um, Jay Z thing. Well, yeah, everyone loved that. Especially everyone. Me. Everyone, oh, I, I well, no, you were in Austria when when me and Drizaldi got obsessed with that. Like mm. I, <laughs> you were out being stupid with stupid people, and um, I remember, stupid European vacations. <laughs> yeah, exactly, loser. Uh, Should have gone in two thousand three. Yeah, because because uh. we were staying up, and I remember we were watching MTV because we were because we were idiots, and then that just like came on out of nowhere, and we were like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is the greatest thing ever. I, I still think that's a phenomenal EP. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Sorry, I'm eating ice cream right now. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think that uh, I wish I was eating ice cream in my hot box because this closet is hot. Bluebell killed a bunch of people, and we don't care. <laughs> so I now have their their well, some of their newest batch of cookie dough, chocolate chip cookie dough. Uh, hashtag Texas. <laughs> hashtag sorry people had to die so that I can get my chocolate chip cookie dough. <laughs> Have you okay? So this is actually kind of a big deal. Sorry, give me a second here. I need to fix something on my computer. I'm so sorry. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, I hit the wrong thing. Luke, uh, I can just edit this part out. It's getting all over the carpet. No. Oh, Brian. Brian, it's getting everywhere. Sorry. All right. I will be I, editing I, this up. I have a caffeine up and running. Um Okay, so actually that's not a bad thing to talk about because as you know, I'm a fan of what we call uh, football, which I hate that term, or soccer, which is actually more of an original term than the word football, but whatever. No um, one cares. No one cares. Literally listen, no Jay one cares. Jay cares. Our listener, Jay, he really cares. Trust me. Anyways, uh, so have you heard of a thing called the World Cup? Mm-hmm. The World Cup in 2022 is going to be held in uh, Qatar. They estimate around four thousand people are going to die having to build the stadiums that will that aren't built yet that are going to be necessary to host the World Cup. Continue. Four thousand people. Now, when this bid went down, I think it was in like two thousand and ten. So all of these countries they make a bid to host to host the World Cup. We were so we were actually going to get the twenty twenty two World Cup. We had built. We had Bill Clinton. Big, big. He's a uh, huge fan of of our show, and they also had like Morgan Freeman, and then they had um, and then they had like, and they also had Landon Donovan, who's the most famous guy who's ever played soccer here in the states. So sorry for the United States, and um, they thought. I mean, everyone thought they had uh, the bid locked and loaded. It was like a surefire thing, and then all of a sudden they go, and you know, uh, the winner is. Qatar, this place with a with a, like a whole bunch of oil that gets up to 120 degrees during during of the summer when the World Cup is traditionally held, and promised outlandish outlandish technology like an air conditioned stadium. 
what I'm saying is it's horribly, horribly corrupt and thousands of people are going to die to put on the biggest event in the entire world. And it is morally and horribly wrong. And I think more people, there aren't enough people doing anything about it. It's awful. Didn't the head of FIFA get caught in all that corruption scandal and get ousted? Yes, but it's not unnecessarily tied to the Qatar bid. Oh. It's other stuff that's like hugely corrupt. It's it's insane how corrupt these people are. Like I really, I I'm honestly probably if it's held in. So right now they changed the World Cup to actually happen. It'll be in a November and a December of 2022 because of the weather being impossible to. You can't host an event in a place where it's 120 degrees outside all day long. So I'm probably gonna if it's held there, I will not watch that World Cup, which is a very very big deal. Uh, uh, for me. Well, right now it's a big deal, but in 2022, it might not be. Yeah, but 4,000 people. Well, no, I think it will be. It'll be a big deal uh, for me then. I can't believe. I mean, already, like, hundreds have died, right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Are they Filipinos? Is that it? Because no, I know they're, they're immigrant labor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they are Filipino. I think they're from the Middle East, though. And the crazy part is they can't leave because the companies that quote-unquote hire them control their passports that's fun so they're basically slave labor for all intents and uh, all intents and purposes it's horrible it's absolutely horrible and everyone's like well it's bad but what can like what can we do about it so we're looking at right now 1200 migrant workers have died according to washington post wow yeah, this is horrible. This is really, really... Oh, they're mostly... I think they're most, mostly African. Hmm. Okay. Let me look over. Unprinted deaths... Oh, man. Yeah, this is... It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, I remember seeing this now that I've... Oh, Indian and Nepali. That's who it is. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, in, tw- in 2011, 401 people died. In 2012, 406 people died. In 2013, 432 people have died. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Wow. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's, I believe that people have a moral obligation to not participate in that World Cup. I'll be very upset if the U.S. team ends up going there. Yeah. Very upset. I think it's horrible. I think it's, I, I just, I can understand some things where, okay, so out, out in Russia, there's a big deal because of certain things regarding gay rights and stuff, and yeah. and that's all, like, serious, but... This is happening on a mass scale that it's, I mean, it's its just horrible. It's absolutely horrible, but we don't have any real, uh, quote unquote, ties or understanding of those countries. So you don't have the deep-seated animosity that we have towards the Russian that's kind of ingrained in, in our, our culture. So we will freak out about that over how they don't like gays out of Russia, which is horrible. I mean, that's wrong. That is horribly wrong with their attitude towards all of that stuff. I mean, it's, it is deplorable, but to me, this is way worse. I mean, this is mass murder. So can I tell you what they say in response? Oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, they say officials point out that there are about half a million Indian workers in technically it's called Qatar, but no one oh, calls sorry. it that. Yeah. No one calls it that. Qatar. So we'll say Qatar. Um, and about 250 deaths per year, uh, so that that's not a cause for concern. 
in fact, the Indian government data suggests that back home in India, you would expect a far higher proportion to die each year. Not 250, but about 1,000 in any group of 500,000 25- to 30-year-old men. Even in the U.K., an average of 300 for every half a million men in this age group die each year. And so that's their response. We're like, listen, everyone, you know, we have half a million Indian workers here. Yeah, 300 or I don't know where they got this number, 250. They die, sure. But in India, 1,000 die. And then uh, the guy <laughs> that responded to it, he's like, it's a little misleading um, because essentially that they're saying, yeah, but these are young, healthy men just building the construction to go into the World Cup. It's not like they're dying of cancer and car accidents mm-hmm. and all this. Other. It's like they're literally construction workers, and they are dying. <laughs> it's like, well, when you when you put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, <sighs> vanity, vanity, all is vanity. No, it's it's the worship of sports. No, I don't think it's that. It's, it's not the worship of sports. Uh, absolutely it is. No, I think that's the symptom of – no, I, I would not say it's directly due to that. I, I wouldn't uh, – I would not you go You don't there. see people dying on this scale to build an opera house. But you don't have an opera house because that – Because no one gives a shit about an opera house. No, no, no. You don't have an opera house that 2 billion people pay attention to. Now, I'm not I saying know, there I'm are people. Hmm? I was kidding. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was going to go off for a second. Like, hell No. Two things are wrong with the world, sports and vinyl records. <laughs> oh, there's so much that I want to say. Hey, you know what I really like about my recording closet is the pictures of me that are up on the on the wall. Those are a good touch. You have pictures of you in the closet? Yeah, just like you have, just, just like your pictures of you in your room. Yeah, but mine's in a room with a wall. <laughs> and not in the closet. <laughs> That's kind of weird, man. Totally different. Uh, everyone, this might be a slow, boring 20 minutes. We haven't done this in about two weeks, so get used to it. Luke, see, the reason why you're so self-critical is that you have low self-esteem. Right? It's not true. I have a lot of confidence. I, you think you do, but then you make comments like that when clearly all I need to do is just delete the last 20 minutes, <laughs> and we're good to go. No one's the wiser. I know, but it's, it's, it's funny that way to me, Gomer. It's funny. I know. It's not at all to me. <sighs> That's why we hate each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um how about this, Luke? What's up? If we get pregnant again, you get to be the godfather. Finally, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. But if you get pregnant, I have to be the godfather. Miracle? <laughs> That's a good point. If if I impregnate you, I get to be the godfather. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's all I that's it. Okay. For, ooh, I just had a weird, <laughs> that was a weird noise. Came but it out came throat. through nice and loud. That was really, sorry, I was, I'm drinking some Jack Daniels. And... Did, uh, it almost sounded like doves were crying. extraordinary gentlemen. You know that Batman versus Superman is coming out tomorrow. You know everyone is shitting on it? Why? It's supposed to be terrible. No. Mm-hmm. You take that back right now. Listen, I'm gonna I'm going to go in there expecting it to suck, and I'm gonna add my own plot while it's going on. So in my mind, it'll be amazing. Mm. By the way, also uh, we need to talk with Father Mike Schmitz because he said he would he would uh, come on the show and we could chat about it after wow. we all see it. Okay. Okay. Good man, that Father Michael Schmitz. Good man. Man, I'm gonna. Yeah, his. We're... So I do these 
I think I mentioned it before, the community groups. Have I mentioned that before? I probably mentioned <laughs> that before. So we're doing these small groups, and they end today. Like, my group just ended. That's why uh, I was late getting on the call. It's our group. Our group, we, we're the only men's group. It's such a great group of guys. I really do love those guys. But um, I'm probably going to make one of them the godfather to my next kid. But uh, the <laughs> whole thing is we're trying to think of, like, what to do next. Because I recorded five videos for the six weeks of Lent. So with that, we're looking at, like, what do we want to do next? And we're probably going to do either A, we'll read C.S. Lewis, a book from C.S. Lewis, or B, we're going to do Father Michael Schmitz's homilies and the Bible studies that they put online at bulldogcatholic.com. Oh, nice. He's so good. He's so good, yeah. He's so uh, we, good. And we just he, watching. he quotes me in him, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> we were just uh, watching him uh, earlier on the night, and even my sister was like, wow, this guy's great. Yeah, he is. She's also like, Don Draper a priest, huh? And I was like, yep, Don Draper a priest. Man, he's so handsome. So, I mean, it's all—it's so jarring. She was like, is that a priest? <laughs> <laughs> is that a priest or is John Hamm doing a bit? <laughs> I don't understand what's really going on here. I don't. He's so handsome. So, and just a really nice guy. Genuine. I think that's a better word. He's genuine. Yeah, oh, he's very genuine. Like, how he was on the podcast was exactly how he was when we were just chatting up beforehand. There's no difference. And it's the exact same way he is when I text him. Because we're <laughs> friends. <laughs> hey, Luke, will you do me a huge favor? Will you do me a huge yes. favor? Will you go into your Skype profile and change your damn picture? No. no. Because I am sick and tired of looking at this ugly Wuhan coffee mug. Uh, it's from China, and it's special to me. Oh, sorry. Wuhan. I'm, it, it is so ugly and repulsive. It's a Starbucks mug. What, what do you got against the Starbucks mug? So much. You know, I saw, because I went out with listener Tony out in Seattle, and we Tony. went, Tony, beer bomb Tony. And uh, yeah, he gave me two tins of beer, beer bomb. You got beer, two? I got two. That's what hey, he said. He goes, Luke Tony, only got one. Can I have another one? Please. We'll talk no. about it more. It's so good. What one do you have? I got the Barnabas something. The X on the back. Well, yeah, I Franciscan, it, it begins Holy with a B, the kind that I got. Okay. Well, I, I got I got Chrism. Chrism. Sorry. And That's Holy a... Smokes, and it does smell like incense. Yeah, it's I'm incense and peppermint. Man. Just kidding. I don't know how to change this, so sorry, it's not gonna happen now. Uh, hey, time out. Does it sound really odd right now? No, you sound good. Okay, because I have the door to the closet open because I'm dying right now. Yeah, no, you sound good. Okay, um, what are we talking about today? Anything serious? I've got some stuff. You were texting me, and then you said, stop, save it for the podcast. That's that's right. Let's go back to that. There's a quote from Shapu that our good friend J.D. Flynn, who we need to have on at some point in time, again, to chat up some, some stuff. Uh, Hold on, I'm going to drink some Budweiser while you talk. Okay, so here's the quote from Shapu. Aren't you glad that the guy with the speech impediment is going to read the quote? Get excited, everyone. <laughs> Oh, Luke, I'm so happy you said that. The difference between production and consumption is what sociologist Zygum Bauman, I just butchered that name. Just skipped, a psychologist says. <laughs> the, uh, what, so, sorry, sociologist oh, calls the gulf between solid and liquid modern life. Older, solid societies based on production find their security in ownership, delayed gratification, and rational organization. They seek a methodical progress, and they put a high value on durable goods. Liquid consumer-based societies, creatures of the tech of the tech 
a revolution and its rapid rate of change feed on in on what he quotes as um, incessant new beginnings and experiences. That is really interesting. I think it's a very important thing to talk about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so essentially you responded saying... with, and did you watch the Apple keynote? <laughs> yeah. And I responded with, ha, 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 and how. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So, okay, so let's just resummarize the thing. Chaput was quoting um, the sociologist, Zygmunt Bauman, who, uh, who contrasted older solid societies with liquid modern societies. And it comes from a book called Liquid Modernity, just so you know. There you go. Uh, so in his new book, Bauman examines how we have moved away from the heavy and solid hardware-focused modernity to a light and liquid software-based modernity. This passage, he argues, has brought profound change, blah, 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 blah. So his whole point was um, uh, that we, we are in a consumer-based society, creatures of the tech revolution and its rapid rate of change, and we feed on, quote, incessant new beginnings and experiences. Now, it's true. So then I immediately followed up with, on that note, did you watch the Apple Keynote, which came out the other day? Have you already installed iOS 9.3? Not yet. Oh, it is, a, it is an incessant new beginning. That is exactly how <laughs> I would describe <laughs> iOS 9.3. Oh, it has this mode called night mode. It puts like a oh, sepia yeah, yeah, tone, yeah. and it's easier on your eyes when you want to go night-night. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho. Update right now while we're talking. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> install, install. So my, Yeah, so... Um, so obviously none of us have read the book. We just are pulling out this this um, one quote. But I think there's there are two things that I want to point out. So I don't know if you don't believe in evolution out there. I don't know why you would listen to this if you didn't. But this notion of of you know we spent the vast majority of thousands upon tens of thousands of years living in one way, and then in the last ten thousand years since the rise of the Neolithic era. We've clustered in groups. We stopped being nomads. We groups. We switched from a meat to a grain diet, even though we've always had grain. Um, but like you know, all these different things like shifted profoundly for human beings. But even with that, you know, you have relative stability from the building of the Tower of Babel, you know, in modern or you know ancient cities and city states, all the way up essentially to the modern era of the Industrial Revolution. I mean, there was a lot of progress going on there, but not that much. And mm-hmm. since the Industrial Revolution, we've had rapid progress. So for the longest time, the horse was the engine of an economy. It was a beast of burden. It was a weapon of war. It was a, a sign of um, wealth and power. And it was all this stuff. Now, a horse is like a fun thing rich people do when they want to wear goofy clothes with knee-high boots and go jump over things. Um, I mean, like well, uh, That's not 100% true, but I think for a suburban america or for urban america that's true i know it's not a hundred percent true <laughs> i know but I, I but i think there is a big a distinction between that and what happens in a lot in a, in a lot of the rural areas but that's that's neither here nor there sorry yeah but the, on, i mean on. so it has switched from i know that's not hundred percent true i know that <laughs> you dig it but the notion is that it's switched to machines right and then but to me i think um the switch from machines, right, mechanical labor, to computers and computer machines, right, so robots, essentially, that that has, that has brought with it the fastest pace. So the rise of computers and then the greatest gift of computers, the Internet, that is the new – that's the thing that's causing change happen so much. And this is the thing that people, like, really need to understand when it comes to, like, productivity, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to all this stuff, that technology outpaces human nature. Right, so we have this 
you know, we have this million years of evolution saying we do this way. And then we have roughly 50 years of computers that says, no, now we get to do it all these other ways. And the human body, the human mind cannot keep up with what the human mind is actually able to create. You know, it's even though we can create it lifestyle wise, we can't really incorporate some of these things into our lives. And I think that that the, the thing that I love about that quote is it speaks specifically to a shallowness of modern life. Right. Like change, change, change. New, new, new. Gimme, gimme, gimme. What do you think? Well, I think it, it also this is the thing that's come up a lot um, with a lot of the work that I am currently involved in, which may or not um, involve stuff that we talk about on here, um, that it we end up it's very utilitarian that we've become such a society that says what is this? It's, this is like the other side of the coin of our deep work conversation that even though we do believe being productive is important being productive should not def- should not define you and i think the danger of of our society right now is especially here in here in america is that with with technology what you're able to do can ultimately end up defining you and that's really dangerous because it completely disregards the person as a person. You see it in sports all the time. If if like a player isn't good or as good as you think he should be, they'll go, this guy is shit. And that's ridiculous. He's a phenomenal athlete who can't do anything that like anyone else can do, but he's not as good as like these like 100 other guys, so he's shit. Yeah, and it's absurd. It's uh, it is absurd to me that, and that's why, like things out in, like like uh, that is why right now we we are seeing all this um, change with regards to all the almost just like suicides. Because what use is it? Like what use? What what what's the point to being alive if you can't do anything? Yeah, if you're almost brain dead or if you have a death sentence, what's the point in being alive? Yeah. So you're connecting the liquid modernity kind of concept to to the overall loss of of the value of human life. Like our our so. dignity is tied to our productivity. Yeah, I mean, really, like honestly, and it. I mean, in a weird way, it ties back to Jurassic Park that we really don't ever stop and think: Should we do these things? Yeah. Should we have a phone that is on us? All the time, we didn't. I mean, I didn't stop to even once ponder that fact when I bought my first iPhone back in 2008. I never stopped to think about that. And you actually, and that's actually talked about in the Jurassic Park book, where he says you, he has this whole thing about you don't you didn't require other discipline that is that is like actually needed to have this type of power that we move so quickly now that we, we like we don't have the ability to really understand what this actually means and what the consequences of it are it's just really cool and i and i and i think there are times where that is like that's okay but we need to be aware of that and we're, we we never have that conversation at all ever yeah um he also wrote another book called liquid times and i just want to read to you how they describe it on uh like the, the summary of it, I think this is kind of powerful. The passage from solid to liquid modernity 
has created a new and unprecedented setting for individual life pursuits, confronting individuals with a series of challenges never before encountered. And this is the kind of like the key thing. Social forms and institutions no longer have enough time to solidify and can't serve as frames of reference for human actions and long-term life plans. So individuals have to find other ways to organize their lives. They have to splice together an unending series of short-term projects and episodes that don't add up to the kind of sequence to which concepts like career and progress could meaningfully be applied. Such fragmented lives require individuals to be flexible and adaptable, to be constantly ready and willing to change tactics at a short notice, et cetera, et cetera. And so you start to think about that, and you're like, wow. So it's not just, you know, in the 60s, you know, don't trust anyone over 30, and we were intentionally jettisoning institution. Now it's the institution can't even keep pace. But I still think, I still go back to the evolutionary concept that we need institutions to keep pace or else we become unhinged as individuals. Hmm. 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 But here's things the to make you go. Hmm. Right, right. Thank you. Things uh, to make you go. Hmm. Things to make you go. Hmm. 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 Yeah. So I know that's really deep. But my response to it is there's this element of we fear the thing that we have made um, because we really feel fear our native power, right? Like we're afraid of robots. Why? Well, one, okay. So I'm afraid of robots because of the singularity where an artificial intelligence becomes able to create and sustain itself and then it grows beyond us but before the singularity um and anyone who likes sci-fi stuff was like oh yeah singularity totally bro and anyone who doesn't like sci-fi stuff well you know where the door is um <laughs> you're a girl probably oh that's a horrible thing to say. yeah that was horrible i i what i meant was that you wouldn't talk let's edit that out huh <laughs> i really didn't mean that like that at all I, yeah. I swear i was going for it girls don't pay attention to guys who like sci-fi anyways and then it just turned into a horrible sexist comment yep did not mean that at all Way to marginalize, Luke. I'm just going <laughs> to hang on this. Let's just keep talking about this. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But um, this this note, so this is one of the things that I feel like there's this element of curmudgeonry, <laughs> you know, like Ludditeism, where it's like, oh, are you kids these days with your, instead of your, your rap music, it's like your apps, you know, kids these <laughs> yeah. days with your apps. Yeah. And, your Snapchat and your VH1. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, um, a note that my mother-in-law pointed out, she has a... Uh, a 15-year-old at home, and my wife, you know, is in her 30s, and so that's like a whole generational shift there. And she said what interested her that she noticed was when Shannon, my wife, was young, and they went to a Catholic school, so people from all over St. Louis uh, went to this girl's school, um, Coryezu, that all these, that her mom was constantly having to drive all over St. Louis to, so that Shannon could hang out one, two, three times a week for projects and cheerleading and all this different stuff. She said now her daughter, um, who goes to uh, a different school, she doesn't ever hang out. Like, they've tried to do some, like, meetups and stuff, and, and it kind of all fell through, and no one really met up. And she said it's because they're constantly in contact with each other. Yep. They are literally texting and, and using Snapchat and all of this stuff constantly. So like there's hundreds of times in the span of a couple of minutes. It's I crazy when you read what the average – adolescent teen is able to do with snapchat in just a couple of minutes yeah yeah and so the funny thing is like you want to talk about a liquid society just think about when you were in high school and when you would go hang out with your friends now you don't need to hang out with your friends right like because you're always with them electronically so what i mean for you what was an institution for you when you were in high school or middle school how did you hang out with your friends uh sports was the big thing sports um, uh, absolutely the mall yeah oh my gosh like me 
and my buddy Aaron. Well, okay, so in terms of institutions, when I was in, like, started to, like, right creeping up on being a teenager. So this is around, like, I think it's, like, fifth grade or so. We started to go to a thing called the OCC, which is the Oakwood Community Center. I don't know why I just explained that. And they had a place where you could just go hang out. Like, it was almost like a youth group room without a youth group room, just more for the a community. But you had these older, like, individuals who acted as each other, like, hung out stuff. And that's where I first saw the Black Hole Sun. I discovered Green Day there, like, all that really great stuff. And it was just a place to go and hang out, just, like, play pool. It was a blast. I, I remember I loved it. It was an absolute blast. So it was your local nonprofit community center? Yeah, yeah, cool. just a place because you know we 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 were in a town of about ten thousand people. Daytown. Great town of Oakwood. O- Oakwood. O- 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 town what? Uh, yeah. So for me, uh, when I was in high school and I lived uh, back in Oklahoma, um, I moved away from there. Um, I was homeschooled for about six months being in Oklahoma. Before that, I was in Catholic school, and our Catholic school is a diocesan school, and so people from all over went to that school. So I had, you know, my, my friend Chris, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of my friend, my friend Chris Miller. Um, he, I like, the thing is, I like Chris Miller. You just rub in my face constantly from ever since 2001 that he's your best friend. Go on. Yeah, but you notice I didn't say that this time. Uh, it was implied. We had a falling out. Oh, you did? No. Oh, uh, he's still my best like, friend. I love you, Chris. So I love you. <laughs> Chris, I miss you, buddy. And that one time on a bus where we hung out and drank and talked, it was great. Uh, yeah, my wedding. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, no, so drunk. So, so, <laughs> so he uh, or so what we would do is because we were the Christian kids who didn't party, and it was like your options were bowling or laser tag. So we freaking owned the laser tag place, right? We owned it, and uh, we were terrible. But uh, we would we would do stuff like so on top of sports. There was that. There was youth group. Okay, but what if you don't like? I'm finding the more I hang out with kids in youth group setting, especially the younger ones. The harder it is for them, number one, to detach from the phone, but number two, to have face-to-face conversations. It's like it's so. And the funny thing is, they will if you follow them up via text message or within an app or something, they will totally be able to engage with you. Engage you, yep. But yep. in person, it's like pulling teeth. And, well, and, and the institutions can't. Like I, I think youth ministry probably does some of the best um, jobs of it. You know, like we use things like Flocknote. Uh, Matthew Warner's flock note to mm. <laughs> I have some you? issues with that. Well, okay. Well, nothing's perfect, but I like Matthew sorry. Warner and he goes to my church. So shut your oh, mouth. Sorry. Oh, sure. yes, okay. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. He wrote a book on evangelization. That's nice. I'm going to review it. But, uh, but you think about the institution, like how do you keep up with um, an ethereal relationship? How do you keep up with text messages and all this stuff? Cause you're not a, a tween. Like no adult, and no adult should do that. Like with a, you don't want to be that adult who is no. texting teenagers all day and night. You are stop, please. You please have a problem. Stop. Yeah, find help. Right. So, anywho, I just want to point out that this is uh, that this is one of those institutions that is going to have trouble keeping up with it mm-hmm. in a liquid society. But my my kind of like negative critique of it is, I always feel like we are afraid of the next leap. We're afraid of the new thing. Um, we're afraid that software. Uh, is is going to eat the world. There's a great talk from Benedict Evans, who's a, an analyst um, with uh, Andreessen Horowitz, which is a VC company. Um, and I listen to their podcast because that's my job. Um, but <laughs> but he has this great talk called Software is Eating the World. And the whole notion is, okay, so 50 years ago, the idea of your refrigerator being on, or you know, 20 years ago, the idea of your refrigerator being on an internet is stupid. And today it's still kind of like super gimmicky and all that stuff. But because of the iPhone, 
creating off-the-shelf components of like sensors and stuff that are now so cheap. You could put sensors in everything, and it's going to get even cheaper. They're, they're literally the costs are literally pennies. So if you can put sensors in everything and they can all talk to, quote unquote, the internet, and you can pull that data and make sense of it, like what is that going to do to the world? And I think technology has already outpaced. I mean, technology is, I don't know if it already has, but it's outpacing human nature's ability to, to make sense of it in a meaningful way in their lives, right? Well, and here's a key, and yeah, oh my gosh, absolutely. And uh, a key thing, too, to understand that this is what gives me a little bit of hesitation from completely buying in to that quote as being absolute. Uh, in the church document, Communio and Abogressio, they talk about how all technology is a gift from God that can be used for good or, or ill. And so it's not inherently wrong. Yeah, it's what we choose. Uh, it's what we choose uh, to do with it. And I, I think we're in this weird age where we are starting to understand how do we deal with all of this stuff. Where you know, hundreds of uh, or hundreds of years from right now, we'll already we'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll we will understand pros and cons of things like this. We are the generation, much like Vatican II, actually, that that has to understand how do we deal with this, how do we apply it, what's the best way to go about all this stuff. And so we we don't have a lot of patience or a lot of under a lot of understanding of the much bigger picture. What so what like um well like. I'm trying to say is I don't think it's very black and white as perhaps Shapu is putting that. That being said, I think that Shapu is brilliant, and I think it's a very important quote that we need and we are talking about right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, for me, I always I'm as a as someone who loves sci-fi and nerdery, and I want to retire on Mars. Do you hear me, Elon Musk? I want. I'm a fat, out of shape person who doesn't have a lot of money you are building my future today help me retire on mars but i loved i love the i would love to be you know a member of the catholic diocese of of mars yeah wouldn't that be awesome i'd be a little scared about coming back and i would miss my family but yeah oh family shmamly mars (laughs) luke it's dead it's a dead planet how cool is that you me and matt damon oh i'll take two of that (laughs) <laughs> Matt Damon or okay wait actually we're, we're, we're getting off topic here but no I so I think it's what 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 obsessing over Matt Damon is off topic for us I mean no not not really not at all actually because we definitely need to talk about how we're feeling about Matt, Batman versus Superman um have we exhausted this topic is there any more to mine what do you think no I think we're good yeah, so people good. liquid modernity which is the name of the the artisanal beer that I'm drinking <laughs> Well, no, you know what? I do think it's important to understand what you're doing in your life. So as much as I like deep work and, you know, there is this other part of that of that uh, coin, which is don't base your whole life on your productivity. That's very, very, very bad. Yeah. Especially if you're involved in any type of ministry. Uh, I think it's. I gave a talk a couple of a couple of of weeks ago that was based on a, on a, a lot of reflection on how to not turn a person into a project. And I think it's. And I think one of the first things that we tend to do. This is really, really with anyone. Is we want to establish like what are our milestones? Well, by about two months into our like youth ministry 
program, they should be at this point in time spiritually. That's a good goal, I guess, to have. But like people are people and we need to be detached from those types of outcomes. I, th- I think that is really dang- like I-, I think it's pretty like dangerous to say if you're involved with, you know, this ministry, you've got to be at point, you know, like E by this date. I think it's I don't know. Hey, I want to I want to draw another quote about liquid modernity. Check out this. Um, according to him, according to Bauman, we have moved from a period where we understood ourselves as pilgrims in search of deeper meaning to one where we act as tourists in search of multiple but fleeting social experiences. Holy shit, I love that. Right? Whole, that's so – and if you go to any bar, that's what's going on. Everyone's just using everyone and wants to be used. Did you just oh. quote that one song? What? Uh, <laughs> what uh, Sweet Dreams? N- no, but I wish I did. Uh, some of them will want to use you. Oh. Some of them want to be some used. Some of them by... want to be used by you. Totally it's by the Eurythmics? Yeah, and I prefer, I prefer Marilyn Manson's version. Uh, no, thank you. Sweet dreams all right. <laughs> oh, oh, the people, the people. Huh? I, I loved Sweet Dreams, Marilyn Manson's version. Is that weird? Who are some of the people that you that you've booked? Who's okay, the so one person, then I'll tell about the one woman that I booked. We're gonna get I'm really excited. If you are a Catholic individual who's very active on Twitter, you probably know who this guy is. The infamous Sergio. Um, he's great Has a lot of, he's just kind of out there. And I think he's kind of like a, like, I just, he's very blunt and has a lot of ideas that, you know, I think he's pretty, he's pretty like left wing, which I like in the sense that, um, in the sense that you hate America. Continue. No, 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 no. I just think that he's (laughs) like, he just has like a different perspective on things. I think that's really like he. It's, I just think it's really important. He's really smart and really interesting. So I'm very excited to have him on of the podcast. He's like, he's like, uh, so in, uh, comedy, you have what's called a comics comic. And he's a guy who's just like all the community, like this guy is really awesome. He's great, but it's kind of like hard. It's kind of hard to get. And you kind of have to be like in it to like really understand. He's kind of like that. Uh, and this is, in my own mind, when it comes to Catholic thought right now, or what people are putting out on things like Twitter. So I'm really, I'm super excited to have him. He's, he's got a blog that's pretty good over on Apathios. Okay, cool. And then, uh, yeah, we got, uh, right now I'm just really excited about this quote from Zygmunt, Zygmunt Bauman. That's why I'm making a graphic and putting it on our Facebook page. Oh, <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Okay, I need. I am so I'm feeling bad because I'm updating my phone right now, and I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, I, I need to focus on you. Well, welcome to iPhone. Get started. All right, uh, updated. Um, I put a thing over on Facebook. Wait, wait. Who are you, you booking? Uh, I told you about it on April something. We have uh, uh, so walking with purpose. Walking with purpose. Um, oh man, she is amazing, and I cannot because she. Has, oh, Lisa. Brenninkmeyer, Brenninkmeyer, Lisa Brenninkmeyer, the founder of Walking with Purpose, moves to Annapolis, Maryland in 2002. Anywho, she's a convert to Catholicism. She built this, wrote this book called Walking with Purpose, and then built this amazing um, ministry around it. That's kind of like if you've heard of That Man Is You. It's like the male, the female version of that. Um, okay, and what, okay, let me rephrase that. 
It is not the female version of the male that man is you. It is ten times better, in my opinion, than anything that is out there for men. Because she is a even the daughter, I think a daughter of an evangelical preacher, maybe. But she believes in training women for evangelization, and so when they do um, their their things, they're unlike most groups that meet, you know, in the church, and it starts off at two hundred and ends with a hundred. Mm-hmm. Hers will start with a hundred and end with two hundred and fifty. Oh, nice! Yeah, because she are those mathematical facts. Yes. All right. <laughs> Just check. <laughs> No, because she trains the she trains the women in how to. I mean, they're number one; they're trained, um, but she trains them on how to do evangelization. And then once a month, they do events that are evangelization kind of centered. And so, um, it's just it's just fascinating how I watch all these groups, even things that I've done, die, and hers tend to grow. And so that's what I don't know. I'm 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 excited about it. Hey, you should get Zygmunt Bauman on uh, on the podcast. That actually would be pretty cool. Like, hey, Ziggy, want to come on the show and get Jiggy with us? Not only do I not understand what you're saying, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love Will Smith. When did you meet Will Smith? When did you meet Will Smith? Over the weekend. Yes. No, no. All right. Only Emily's going to get that. Uh, I love that Chris Farley bit. That's so funny. Over the weekend. (laughs) Hey, check out our Facebook page. Uh, hey, do we have anything else to talk about? Is this it? Not, Are we done? This is this is a thirty minute show. Just so you know, I don't like thirty minute shows. I know that people want okay by by the people. I mean, Bradley Barnes want us to have like shorter episodes because they don't have time. I want but a forty. I, I think the ideal amount is it's 40 an hour. Minutes. Nope, it's an hour. It's not forty minutes. It's an hour. Your face is an hour. Trust, I, I trust me. It is. It is an hour. Why is it an hour? Because you want to have a. It's not because if we get to if, if we cut it down to that mark, you need that extra twenty minutes to truly round out the conversation. Because if not, it it just becomes us talking at people instead of talking with each other. This is fr- okay. This is from our listener Christina uh, Maria. I wonder what her last name is. Why does Luke have the worst taste in music? I've been wondering this my whole life, so I'm looking forward to hearing the answer. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy you said that. The same reason why Luke has a poor taste in music is why he has a poor taste in beer. He thinks that the more fussy it is, the better it is, when in fact the reality is the exact opposite. The smoother it is and the cheaper it is, the better it is. Luke misses the point of mass consumption while he embraces individualistic tendencies that make him a snobbish asshole. This is true in both his indie rock music, Tooth and Nail (laughs) Records, and the fact that he stops listening to bands once they get quote-unquote popular. Notable exceptions being Taylor Swift and Adele. Luke, I'm answering the damn question. (laughs) So, ultimately, Luke Carey would love Budweiser if it was still called Budvar and produced by an old Czech guy (laughs) in his basement. Even if it tasted the exact same. But the, the fact that it's made by the world's largest beer company, InBev World, uh, who owns Anheuser-Busch. Who owns everything, yeah. Everything but Luke's, uh, the guy that Luke has in his closet churning out IPAs. Can't be bought. <laughs> Can't be bought, but he is slave labor. Uh, that, that's, you know, so that's a good answer. I think that's a good answer. Yeah, it does. Luke prefers fussy over tasty. You know, over, actually- over, not, not tasty. Uh, fussy over, okay, this is going to sound awkward, swallowable, <laughs> swallowable, right? Because this goes down smooth, all of that. This is, I'm digging myself into a bigger hole, but you, do you understand the point that I'm trying to make? Please in don't a, add any of this. 
how do you um, how do you see the balance between the new evangelization versus the institutional church from your hypothetical position as someone responsible for that in a hypothetical diocese? Well, if I were to be involved in the new evangelization, uh, repeat the first part of the question. Excellent. Why do you have such crappy taste in music? (laughs) Wait, which question? No, like where do you see the the dichotomy between um, the new evangelization, all the excitement around it, and the institutional church and the way it receives it? Um, Okay, I want to feel so stupid. Define the word dichotomy for me. Just the, sure the differences, the two, the, the, the okay. I don't think that there is a difference, and that's a, and I think the problem is it's trying, it's basically trying to turn the head of, of the church. Like where we are so, or we we've been, we spent the last like thousand years, pretty much just going, okay, we're the big kid on like, on the block. So we have to evangelize. Yes, but that's the easy part now, quote unquote, the easy part. Not if you are like a Jesuit trying, uh, you know, to go out to uh, Japan or something like that, where they're they're going to kill you. But um, for the most part, the world was already evangelized. And what the new and what the new evangelization is trying is trying uh, to do is to draw uh, is to draw attention to the fact that the world, especially current Catholics, a lot of them have not been evangelized. And it's trying to basically refocus everything to put our efforts into that. So it goes, it's, so it's this, it's, there is no dichotomy between that and the institutional uh, church. It is more of a where, uh, where are our eyes right now? Where, where's Where's all of our where's our focus going towards? And where's our time and attention? Exactly, and it, it's what it is really calling for is not a a dramatic change in our doctrine, not in a dramatic change in any part of or like liturgy or any of that stuff, but a dramatic change in how do we view. Of the world, our place in the world. Now, not okay. Actually, not in the sense of like, in, in, like, um, like. Oh gosh, because I'm I'm getting really hot water here. Not in the sense of like we need to change the role of the church and become another a denomination. Not anything like that at all. I'm saying we need to understand that pretty much the whole world, well, like here in America, has rejected us, especially. Catholics and understanding that it's not about administering, it's not about just um, just um, like making sure the people engage in all of the of all of uh, the sacraments. It's that they come to know and understand who Christ is, because for the most part, that's always been a given, or it's been so part of everything that we do that we didn't really have to try that hard to convince Catholics that Christ is real. Now we have to do that. That's a really long answer. Yeah, I think I like it. I mean, when you have, what's the poll? Like 70% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence and 50 or 60% don't believe that a personal relationship with God is even possible because God is not a personal being, which is horrific. Or if God even exists. Yeah. 
And you have atheists who believe in a higher power, and you have Catholics who don't believe that there is a divine being. We live in a messed up, wacky world. Um, but I think uh, what I struggle with is not the overhaul of the church. Like I don't. So you know, when JP two made the comment about um, about launching, the, committing all of the church's energies to the new evangelization, he said all of it, like every aspect of the church needs to be um, needs to be connected to the new evangelization. And then my whole thing is, I don't think the average parish or diocese is doing that. I think what we tend to do is we set up individual departments or individual people to do the new, to quote unquote, do the new evangelization. Like I look at uh, Father Robert Barron, um, Bishop Barron, back when he was Father Robert Barron, his cardinal came to him and said, I want you to do the new evangelization. He's like, you be responsible for that. He said, well, what, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know. Do the new evangelization. New in methods, ardor, and, you know, whatever. Do the new evangelization. So then he started making YouTube videos. And I think that has been a, a huge ministry. But now it's like this, now it's a ministry, right? It's a set-up thing, ministry. And I think that one of the, the issues is the Pope said, you know, maybe he's speaking hyper um, with hyperbole, but the notion of all of the church's energies, not any area can remain untouched, Um and then you look at it from this perspective of uh, how many parishes even know what it is, you know, or even yeah. engage in it actively. Well, and I think they, I think we fell into a really bad trap if we thought that the new evangelization was, well, just get on Twitter. How do we do that? Let's get on a YouTube. Like, and it's those are methods to engage in the new evangelization to try to reach on the people. But the whole point of it, it is. It's mission. It's it, it is a doing. It's doing what the church has always done with the under with the understanding that the role of the church in the like in the world is not the same as it was two hundred years ago. So it's not. But basically, that it's not Christendom anymore. That's the point. That we cannot. That we cannot. I'm going to assume that just because we are in Europe means that everyone is going to be practicing the Christian faith. It's that like, it's basically, it's in, it is acknowledging that Christian, well, I'm getting into really dangerous waters here. Um, I don't understand why you're getting in dangerous waters. I would just go with it. And then if you feel okay. like I need to cut it, then I'll cut it. Okay. That Christendom is lost. Oh, yeah. That which that it's over with, and we need to engage other world from that standpoint. That we need to convert souls over to Christ. That it's over with. That it's all over with. That you know, um, and I'm and I'm not trying to say that the church is not the church or to be involved in the church, not to be a part of Christendom. But I'm saying that. Christendom is not the predominant culture in the world anymore. It's over with. And it has been since probably about the French Revolution. That's yeah. really where it all kind of ends. You know, and, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, his famous line was, uh, Christendom is dead, long live Christianity. Exactly. And yeah. he was saying that back in the 60s. And I think, and so I, I think a lot of uh, people tend to cheapen the, oh, it's just about small groups and YouTube. And that's not true. It's about trying to have. Um, it's about trying to bring Christ to a, the, to a world that has rejected him via small groups on YouTube. 
I mean, I honestly think I, I genuinely believe this, that the a traditional, the traditional like, like um, the like, oh, like Latin mass has or has really has like yet defined. But I think it definitely has a very strong place in the new event agilization. I think you would have a lot of people who would go to, go to a mass like that and go. I want to know more about this. Yeah. That to me, like that is a new event. I'm saying like, look, come and come and experience this. Like, and it's not that it's, it's trying to like change our understanding of where the world's at. No, I mean, I, I agree for me. I think the, I don't know. I mean, I could have this conversation all day because my, my constant, thing is that not enough of the church is doing the thing that the church is asking the church to do oh yeah it's, it's constantly getting pushed off to individuals now i i love that i i love doing this and they push it off to people like me because it gives me a job um but i need the church the whole parish to like view this you know not just my parish but whenever i do parish missions and all that stuff i need them to really see this stuff um as their job, not as uh, uh, not as someone else's job. It's everyone's ministry, right? But That's here's the, point. the problem, though, is, is I think that it can be tempted. We can we can be tempted to say that that means that you have to be a part of these programs we are trying to do, and that's not the new right. event agilization. Mm-hmm. And I and I think people don't understand that. It's that your whole your like whole being has to come from an overflow of your of your relationship with God and you take that and it'll just I'm mean, naturally come out into the world and you need to understand that that's what you should be doing yeah yeah no I mean that to me it's funny because um, a friend of mine is a director of evangelization at a archdiocese and she said to me or I wrote uh I heard an interesting quote from an evangelical church leader the other day where he said, if you have someone who's in charge of evangelization, you're doing it wrong. Meaning everyone's in charge of evangelization. Everyone is an evangelist. Yep. And then she responded, I totally agree, but you got to start somewhere. And in the Catholic church, I see this. Yeah. I see this huge idea of like, who is going to shepherd the, uh, uh, who is going to shepherd the, this notion of onboarding people to the new evangelization? I see my role as a coordinator of various adult faith formation programs, but then I see my role as nothing but – this is going to make me throw up in my mouth a little bit – someone raising awareness. <laughs> like I'm drawing people's attention to what it means to evangelize, how to evangelize, and then um, and then how to empower them to go and do it, Right. And so mm-hmm. that's that's just my big my big thing is it bothers me so much when I see so much of the church that's still doing the same thing as if Christendom were a thing, you know, as if Christendom hadn't hadn't done anything um, or it's still nothing's happened to Christendom. And so it's yeah. just driving me driving me nuts. And I mean, I do everything under uh, the lens of that. the Like, um, sorry, I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm trying to not blab on about this. I try to do it under uh, um, the lens that everyone that's coming to stuff that we are doing is not a full a disciple. Now there are people who are, and I'm not. But we need to, we need to understand that 
there's way more people who aren't. And if we and if we ignore them, that's really, really bad. Like it really hit me last last night that if I really believe this is all absolutely real, how furious will the people in my life be that I did not share the gospel with them? How furious will they be when they when like they are gonna die? And they're like, wait, this is real. And Luke, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything uh, like besides go out drinking with me that one night. That was it. Yeah. Like, that's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. There was a, a survey of a college campus's atheists. And it was essentially like, what do you think of Christians? And the response was um, overwhelmingly like, uh, I'm, I'm deeply offended by a Christian who doesn't evangelize me. And when I first heard that, I thought it was like, oh, because you want to argue with him. But they were saying, because if you really believe this is true and you don't evangelize me, you literally are just letting me go to hell and you're cool with that. And this notion, I mean, the, but the, the other problem with evangelization it touches on something that Pope, Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict said. But this notion of the loss of hell coincides with a loss uh, and the rise of what we call universalism. Everyone's going to go to heaven. Um, coincides with this lack of a desire to evangelize. Like... I really do believe a lot of people potentially can go to hell, and so I preach the gospel. First and foremost, I preach the gospel to myself, right? You always have to issue that disclaimer. First and foremost, I preach it to myself because my, my whole thing is I will attract people to Christ if I'm real and if I'm really connected to Christ. But if I'm not really connected to Christ, then all I'm doing is putting on a show, and that won't really win over people. Um, but then you slide that over to this notion of an institutional re-evangelization, institutional new evangelization, and you end up running into so many what I, what I, what I call antibodies, like these antibodies in the body of Christ that for so long in the church in America, we've been private, we go along to get along, um, we have that spiral of silence that Sherry Waddell talks about, that to have people openly talk about their faith, openly talk, say the name of Jesus, literally, just to say that, all of that stuff is literally shocking today. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. shocking. And so I look at every opportunity. Like, I literally start off um, half of my RCIA classes um, for, like, the new year, the new, the new class coming in. I start off with them all saying the name of Jesus out loud. And I will not let anyone enter the church if they can't do that. Because one time I had an RCIA experience where I encouraged them to say his name out loud, and no one could. And it was at the end of their time there. Ugh. No one could. They, th they were too embarrassed. Yeah, I was like, no, we're just going to say the name of Jesus. My brother went there. It was part of his, like, trying to reform his life part. <laughs> and uh, I go, hey, what do you think? And he goes, well, your teaching was really good until you made it awkward there at the end where no one would join you. And you just <laughs> kept harping. And I was like, I am shocked that literally they couldn't say the name of Jesus out loud. And so ever since I experienced that, I'm like, everyone, we're going to say the name of Jesus out loud right now. We're going to just embrace him. It's, yeah. I, there's so much that I want to say about this. It, and that's operating out of a place of fear. And really, I just think it means people just, like, we just don't buy it. Yeah. Like, we just, like I mean, like, it's good. I mean, yeah, I like Jesus. I, I, I like what he has to say. And he, and, he, and he might be God, and that's cool. And he died for us. That's like, that is really cool. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, but like, I don't, but yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's just the idea of, meh. Meh. Hey. And that's what. Yeah, no, continue. Hmm. You finish your thought, and then I want to bring up something else. No, and that's just what the new evangelization has to engage is that, meh. 
Boom. Boom. All right, Luke. I love you, buddy. I'm going to go. All right, man. Have a good night, dude. Promise? Yep. I love you. 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 I love you.